You are now listening to the Dream Loud Podcast. Join us as we explore the significance of following your dreams. We hope you'll enjoy the ride. Welcome once again to another episode of the Dream Loud Podcast. Today I am solo hosting the show. Don't have Dan Shifo with me. Uh, love you, dude. Hope to see you next time here. He is busy with Steelers training camp. He's working from like 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. every night. And um, the Steelers, unlike most football teams, most professional NFL teams, they have their training camps in like Florida or somewhere really nice or warm. But the Steelers have it in little old Latrobe at St. Vincent College. Uh, and that is a tradition that goes back years and years and years. So... I guess that's cool for a little town to host something like that, and the town gets really hyped about it. Oh, and also, the Blue Angels are having an air show this weekend, so they're practicing for that. It's going to be pretty nutso out there. So, uh, But all that to say, looking forward to having you back next time, Dan. Uh, but today, I'm sitting down with my buddy and guitar player of Lacey Sturm, Josh Sturm. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Thanks for being back on, man. This is your third time on. Uh, second solo guest appearance. Yeah. Third time total. And sort of like our last one was the airport. We had lots of background noise. Yeah. Today, not sure if you can hear that, but those are cicadas. We are actually out on the deck mm-hmm. in the beautiful night sky and uh, letting them accompany us in the background. Yeah, so you might you might hear that, you might not, uh, but... Either way, we're gonna we're gonna make it work, man. That's what this podcast we is all about, do. making it work. But um, yeah, you just came back from a pretty fun experience. Let's yeah, talk about I, that a little bit. I'd say it's been a, a whirlwind of a, a month or two here. Actually, before that, so we got back from our Lacey Sturm tour, which was an awesome tour. Probably one of my oh, favorite yeah. ones yet. We got to be on a bus, which was huge. Yeah, that took so much work off of both of our shoulders. Just not having to play a show, drive, unpack, play, drive, yeah. unpack, play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as soon as I got home from that tour, I had about a month, and I had an awesome opportunity come up where uh, Shine Down, the band Shine Down, had asked me to fill in for the guitar player Zach Myers, which uh, was that's pretty crazy. It was. I mean, it was incredible. We toured with those guys last year, and. Yeah. It was so much fun. Like, they're super cool. They watched our set almost every night, and it was just like, just really had a great connection with them. Mm-hmm. And so, Zach, Zach... Zach in particular, like, the cool thing about him was, I feel like most bands at that level, and I'm not saying this to hate on any of them, because I'm telling you right now, I would do the same thing. If I was in a band that toured that much and had that much clout and had, like, a, a tour bus, I would probably not be interacting with people during the day you'd probably be in your bunk all day long wouldn't be in my bunk but i'd be on the bus i'd be <laughs> i'd be focusing in or reading a book or something but you know it just i know for me in particular like that much time even the six weeks out on the road like you kind of get a little bit homesick and you kind of oh for sure not, not get tired of it but i guess just a way to like keep yourself sane and healthy like you just kind of start to internalize and start to think that way. But I say that to contrast that every day Zach was out talking to us, talking to people, talking to the crew, talking, you know, just being around and available, which was really cool. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because after living with them for a month, like I think they probably went through those seasons where they just were in those types of places. Mm -hmm. But like, I think they really learned that solitude is not always a good thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's something to be said. We're on tour and you're crammed in a bus with people that you need your space, but then there's a deeper level where solitude's bad and you're just like, you're surrounded by people, but completely shut down. Yeah. And I, I don't know any, anyone in particular, but I think that some of them have kind of like went through that season. And so like, they really make it a point to hang out with each other. You know, they work out every mm-hmm. day together, which is super cool. They, you know always like discovering new music i'm always watching them listen to new bands and stuff like that and like all their favorite bands are like these no-name bands from like different countries that are like 
I heard your demo, you know, like Eric, the bass player told me he reached out to this band from the UK called Dead and he's just like, you know, raving about their album. It was like one uh-huh. of his favorite albums, you know, and he's just like, and they're like, are you kidding me? It's just a small band from here. How did you even hear us? So yeah. it's, it is really cool. That's that, cool that they're like, they're like fans of music because that's oh, yeah. what music fans do. They get on blogs. Well, I'm, I'm dating myself just by saying that because that's what we used to have to do. <laughs> we would get on blogs, blogs that went and found music for you to like. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was never a blog kind of person, but. I wasn't either, but I just went to the, the music blogs to see what people other people discovered. Yeah, I use um, Spotify now. I just do the browse new releases. Does it work pretty well? Yeah. It's um, not every new release is on there because I think you might have to pay or but like if you have Spotify, just click on the browse button and there'll be a tab that says new releases and they usually update it I think That's once true. a week. Like, the, you know, 20 albums that just came out. So uh, typically I go through there and just see if there's anything, you know, just listen to some stuff. But to catch any rock, you have to go, you have to dig in through the tabs a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cause it's not, they don't feature everything the rock. That's, yeah. Everything that's in the like top, top 100 is all this like airy pop stuff, which is cool. But if I just want to like, you know, turn my upper lip up a little bit and get my metal groove on, mm-hmm. I got to click through the, you know, top rock <laughs> yeah. 100, which yeah. is, you know, that's in the, that's in the underbelly of Spotify. Dude, Europe knows how to rock. So, oh, yeah. oh, so the tour, cool. yeah. the tour with Shinedown was all in Europe, and I've never seen crowds like that. Like they love rock and metal music. That's awesome. That was like rock is not dead for sure. I don't think it's dead in the U.S., but in Europe, no. it is a it's completely different level. They are so engaged, jumping the entire set. Like these festivals we played at. First of all, like the most. We played in download in the UK. There's 120,000 people there, and uh, they're there from you know nine in the morning until sometimes twelve or one o'clock in the morning. Oh my god! All day long, and it was hot all day, and they're just going for it, man. It is. It was. It was really cool and really inspiring, and it kind of charged me. You know, there's. Uh, what do you think about their? I mean, you're touring there, so you're not like living. But what do you think about that culture? Makes them like that. I don't know, to be honest, like the, the, the contrast is, I feel like the contrast is like LA and Nashville where there's so many musicians that they just have this cross-armed stance, you know, like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do that I haven't heard any other band do? And like, maybe it's just because they, it's festival season. These are the biggest rock festivals in the world and they're all in the same month of June. And I think that just people look forward to they look forward to it all year long, you know, to just see their bands. And so, like, they're just, they're hyped. It's not, I don't know that, because I think a lot of the U.S. bands, they go there in certain seasons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, I think they're just, depri- like, deprived of rock. <laughs> and, rock then, deprived. and then yeah. all the bands come together for this one month. And so, they've just been bottling it for 11 months. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. But even just to, like, value art in that way. Well, yeah. I mean, the architecture, like, that was such a cool thing of being there and seeing the architecture that was created, but also some of the new stuff. Um, there's an artist called uh, uh, Gaudi, I think is his name. Mm. And uh, he's, he's, they're still actually building one of his churches. It's, it's been a hundred years in the process. Oh my gosh. And like he has these like two predecessors who've continued to take it on. It's supposed to be done in like 2080 or something like that. I'm not going to see it, unfortunately. <laughs> well, they say even by then, it's kind of like the Golden Great, Golden Great Bridge where when you finish painting the end of it, you start over again. Uh, so like when they finish it, it'll probably need fixed. So it'll never, <laughs> they just say it'll never be done. But anyway, it's just, it's cool to see that tradition of really taking time and making beautiful things is still part of their culture. Yeah, I noticed that from... <laughs> the 78 hours that we were in Oslo, Norway. Um, and we just walked, well, on Sunday, was it Sunday that we just walked through the town? Yeah. I mean, maybe Oslo is a little bit different than the rest of Europe because Oslo's, especially Oslo downtown, but Norway is a very wealthy country. But the thing I noticed was that it seemed like, yeah, they had cobblestone streets, but they weren't just cobblestone streets. They were specifically designed. Oh, like a pattern. There was a pattern built into everything. Like Mm -hmm. every house, like 
It almost it almost was like it's not worth being built unless there is an aesthetic to it. I love that so much. Which is really cool, and I think that maybe we're gaining more of an appreciation for that here, but most of maybe our architecture was that we see today was built in the Industrial Revolution, which I feel like the feeling from that is blue-collar, like, hard work ethic. Like, yeah, practical. doesn't matter. doesn't matter what it looks like. Just get it up, you know? <laughs> just build it. <laughs> just got to be, like, yeah. you know, like, it's got to be bold and blunt and you yeah. know it's gonna it's gonna last for a million years but yeah. it's not gonna look pretty no, it's ugly <laughs> it's ugly <laughs> so that is um that that's really that's interesting and a cool little contrast yeah it was refreshing for sure you know artistically to be reminded because everything that's everything that's great in life takes time you know what i mean yeah very rarely are things just kind of thrown together and they're amazing um, it definitely happens, but like, I just appreciated that of like, just a reminder that you want to make something incredible like that church or this or an album or whatever it is. It's one little thing at a time. You know what I mean? And yeah. It, it's just, it's just got to put the time in to do it, I guess. Yeah. So I guess maybe to jump in and you had suggested this topic to talk, to talk on before we even did this podcast, but, uh, you talked about like taking advantage of like opportunities that present yourself. And I think that's, I definitely could see that like being the case in my life, especially whenever people ask like, well, how did you get to play with Lacey or like, how did this happen? Or how did, how did you do that? Yeah. And you know, to give, to give a quick, there's not really a quick, simple answer to any of those things, but there is kind of like a, I guess a, a value system or I don't want to say morality, but I want to say a system of values that can lead to taking advantage of situations more than, more than others. So if I look at like the, the big picture of my life and maybe getting to play with you guys and getting to play with Lacey, you know, it, it goes back to like being a good, (laughs) being a kind person, being like prepared being like on time, being well rehearsed, practiced, like just, and it wasn't like I was perfect on all those things, but all these little things just build up and add up to, oh, it equals, it equals this. It's not one specific thing. It's just all these little tiny things. So yeah, I mean, that's a hundred percent right. You know, well, at least in this, in this particular case of why I was asked to play in Shinedown. So we got to do that tour together. Mm-hmm. And so they spent, you know, I think it was two weeks, two, two or three weeks with us, mm-hmm. watched our shows. And so I didn't know. I mean, they obviously they weren't like evaluating us at that time, but because they were right. present, like we talked about, they were watching our show, you know, trying to hang out, you know, when they could. Um, they were just, you know, I guess uh, observing us in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. And so whenever Zach, the guitar player, his wife was having a baby in June. That's why he decided that he, he wanted to stay home to be with his wife and they needed a fill in. And so I think they called, I don't know how many people, I don't know how many people they called first. So obviously he called like some of his closest friends and people like, Hey, do you want to do this? (laughs) Did he really? Yeah. And they literally, I don't think, well, I don't know the names of the people. Some of them were in big bands. Some of them might've just, you know what I mean? But everybody said no. <laughs> like they didn't just. From what I from what I understand, they weren't just Absolutely like. Absolutely not. They're just like, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I don't want to do that. Like I don't. Oh really? Not because they didn't want to. They're just scared to. They're like, how are you just gonna jump in with Shine Down with this you know five album catalog and play the biggest rock shows uh. in the world? Like they're just like, eh, no, it's not for me. But like, and so when they were. I wasn't a last choice, but, you know, like, they're kind of like, what are we going to do? You know, most of the bands that of people they might have wanted were probably on on those festivals with right. them. playing with them anyways. And so it was actually Eric, the bass player, who suggested, he said to Brent, and, and uh, he said to Brent, the lead singer, he's like, hey, what about Josh? And Brent told me, I literally said, Josh who? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Josh from, you know, Lacey's husband, Josh. Yeah. He's like, oh, my God. Call him, see if he's available. You know, they're like, well, he's well, he's probably doing this or that. And you're like, dude, just call him and see what he says. But like, as I talked to them over that month and kind of heard more of the story of how that all unfolded, it's exactly what you said. They're like, mm-hmm. we're looking for somebody who can obviously play the part. 
who's confident, who's not going to like crap their pants on stage. Because mm. the first show, the very first show I played with the guys on stage for the first time with Shinedown was Rock'em Ring. And it was, I think, 80 or 90,000. Germany, right? Yeah, 80 or 90,000 people. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, I had to step up to the plate there. Yeah. It's, it was a, not an easy task, but like, so like he said, you know, obviously you got to have the chops, but he's like, we want someone who's not a party animal, someone who's just like has a good personality, someone who's chill and we think would fit with a vibe because that's, I mean, right. playing the part is one thing. Everything else takes it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people that, were really good guitar players that they thought about, but they're like, ah, that dude parties too much or he just has a negative vibe. You know what I mean? And so it's yeah. like, it's just funny how that was only one part of the thing was, can he play the parts? Yeah. And then like the bigger part of it was, was he actually fun to hang out with or is he a cool guy or is he, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so I think you had said that last time we talked maybe at the airport about like how you didn't have to audition for Lacey Sturm. You didn't right, have to, there you didn't wasn't. Have to, there yeah. was no audition. The audition was just our friendship and hanging out. Yeah. You know, and so like all those things, I can't remember the word you used for it. You said, I would just call it like a posture. You know what I mean? Mm. The way yeah, you kind of posture yourself it. and yeah. handle yourself. And so like, and even like on that tour, Zach gave me one of his, his signature guitars mm-hmm. and I sent him a video of me playing Cut the Chord, which was their single back then. Yeah, uh, Just, you know, like on his guitar playing one of his songs like hey check it out you know I love his guitar thanks again and it's just funny now thinking like that probably had a little bit to do with it of like oh wait a minute I remember Josh playing he actually could play that song pretty well (laughs) you know no I'm curious about that in particular Uh, and I don't want to give people ideas that we're not recommending but was there any thought in the back of your mind of like oh if I play the song and send it to him like he could see that like what I can do Mm -hmm. or were you or were you purely just thinking oh this is like a thank you well i'm just curious for when he gave me the guitar or for whenever i sent the video well that video was before they've ever thought about taking me out oh i i know that for sure i'm just no 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 that was never in my mind okay but what was funny about it was after they asked me to do it and i said yes yeah I sent them videos because I'm like, do you need me to send you videos like that you can actually see I can play these songs? Yeah. They're like, no, I trust you. You know, I was just like, they kind of have a lot of confidence in me. Like that actually gave me confidence too because I'm like, when I said yes to doing this, I was scared. I mean, flat out scared. Like my first thought, I'm shaking my head no and I'm saying yes. Well, (laughs) that's so funny. There's a lot more involved and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. But like, I just had this feeling deep down that I could do it but man I was scared to say yes and so yeah. like I remember that later that week I learned a couple of their songs and I was just texting in videos just to be like hey just so you know I, I can play these you know I can play these songs yeah um yeah so no that was never in my mind of like actually when Zach reached out to me the first time he's it was like on Instagram and he's like hey what do you what are you doing in uh in June and I'm like nothing really I'm like wow what's up in my heart scene, I'm like, oh my God, Shinedown's going to ask us to go back on tour again. He goes, that's what you're thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm like, we're going to tour with him again. You know, this, yeah. this is going to be awesome. And he writes me back, you want to be in Shinedown for a month? <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm, I'm wondering, <laughs> is your first thought as your guitar tech? Yeah, exactly. You know, you couldn't possibly be asking me to like play guitar. Yeah, no, I didn't. And so the other part of that that was the reason it took me, I told him, I said, I need 72 hours to think about it because, um, the reason he couldn't go obviously is because his wife was having a baby in June. Mm -hmm. Well, I told him, I said, my wife's due on July 4th and the tour gets home on July 1st. So I literally have a two day buffer and the possibility of missing the birth of my child. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm almost in the same boat as you. And if I say, yes, I'm in Europe, I can't come home. These are like really big shows. I can't just like, you know what I mean? I can't leave. Right. So Lacey and I. Because that's the whole reason they're getting, that's the whole reason they're getting Yeah. You. They traded one guitarist, you know, <laughs> on paternity leave for another one who's getting ready. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we, you know, Lacey and I talked about it. First of all, her immediate response was, yes, you have to do it. You have to do it. I'm like, okay, honey, but let's talk about this. Right. Let's, what does this actually entail? What are the possibilities? What are the, you know, what are the risks or the I mean, sacrifices? One possibility was I'd be at the hospital helping deliver your child. <laughs> Holding Lacey's hand. <laughs> yeah, right. That was never a no, possibility. No. But 
<laughs> I just like to tell people that. out of here. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be funny. Uh, for you, not for me. I'd be no. terrified. Oh, gosh. It was just so funny, like, being in a position of, like, I've never thought of myself as going in and filling in for any other band. Yeah. And so it was just so out of the blue. And it was just interesting. Like the stuff that you and I talked about on our previous podcast, mm-hmm. I was I was preaching to myself in that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like that was really cool kind of like starting over moment for me of like, wow, like I've been focused on our band and what we're doing. And this is like a, a really big deal. These are shows, the biggest, it was the biggest shows that they had ever played. Yeah. Like the main reason Zach was bummed that he couldn't be there is because he's been waiting his whole career to play these shows. Uh, yeah. And he couldn't, you know what I mean? So like, first of all, props to him for, that's you know, true for saying yes to his family. Thank you, Cause Zach. that's a big deal. Thank you, you Zach. I mean? I'll send you this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it is a big deal. I mean, it's it like, a big deal. that's a hard thing to say no to, but he said yes to his family and I totally respect that. You know what I mean? I think that's amazing. It was an awesome decision. It worked out for him and it worked out for me. And so I'll never forget it. That's for sure. That's amazing. Um, I know one thing that we, we talk to a lot of freelancers on the show and talk to a lot of, um, we pause my chair is ripping and we're back (laughs) for one ripped chair. (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. That was quite a ride. I think we got that on recording, but Josh said, in case we didn't, Josh said, uh, can we pause? My chair's about ready to rip. And right at that moment I hit pause (laughs) and his chair ripped. (laughs) Jeez. So I think what I was talking about is, um, oh, I remember what it was. So we've had a lo- on a lot of freelancers on the show. One thing that you said that stood out to me, and I definitely can relate to this, uh, especially in freelance fields, that, that moment of like you get a big opportunity. And if you think about like your qualifications, you want to say no, because yeah. you know you're not qualified. Yeah. But you find yourself saying yes and that's the, I mean, that's the right thing to do in the moment because you're, you're stretching yourself beyond yeah. what you've ever done before to reach a new level. But it's almost like, it's almost like you have to at like your soul level, say yes to it because Absolutely. at your, at your mind level, you're going to say, Oh, the, there's all these reasons why not, why not, why not? Like, yeah. I think the, I think the one time that I could think of that this has happened to me more than anything else. Well, one, whenever I said yes to you guys, but not actually as much as whenever, um, Frank was looking for somebody, pastor Frank, he was looking for somebody to do camp a, cause your brother had been leading worship and he stepped down from that. Like, I think it would, maybe it was right before they were looking to like hire a band or get like, uh, camp a for everybody that's listening. Doesn't know. <laughs> um, it's a youth retreat that this Methodist church that we all have been involved with at some point or other doing the worship ministry through. It's like their big, like winter camp of the year. And Jason had done it for how many years had he done it before I took at over? At least five. It was a long time. And that's how I got introduced to it. And so Jason stepped down. He wasn't going to do it anymore. And I was talking to Frank one day and he was asking me, you know any singers or bands that can do this thing and i found myself saying yeah i can do it (laughs) and what (laughs) and he was like oh cool who are you gonna get to sing and i said i will and like he's like oh that's amazing thanks for stepping up and taking over and i hung up the phone and i thought to myself (laughs) what did i just say (laughs) i've never i've never done anything like this before and I, th- I think that, I think what it came down to was that I, I knew in my soul that it was the right move to make and I didn't allow my mind to talk myself out of it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think maybe part, part of the reason was, is because <laughs> it helped me out that it was in the middle of like a phone conversation. So I didn't have time to go back home and think about it. Cause I probably would have talked myself out of yeah. it. So maybe <laughs> Let's go back and maybe talk about that a little bit, like that feeling of getting called up and, you know, well, imagine, how that felt. And... <clears throat> so imagine for you as a producer, what yeah. if, what if Garugamesh 
It's the decided three. to have a reunion tour because they're not a band anymore, no, no, as no. everybody knows. What if, like, Periphery? Okay, let's say Periphery called you. They they heard you nail the mix. Second place, nail the mix. Benjamin Hall looked you up, and they called you one day. They're like, we want you to record our new album. Yeah. Well, like, you know what I mean? That's exactly what it felt like. You're like, me? Uh, you're like, you think you can do it? And you're like, yeah. Well, honestly, you know, and... Alyssa, you're gonna hear this, I guess, for, for the first time. Uh, but when Alyssa Logsdon, his EP I've been working on, when she first contacted me, this is much lower than Periphery. I was really nervous because that's the first artist that I've worked with that had already had solid recordings. Like she has gone to other studios in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and my first thought was, like, I'm confident in my ability but I didn't know if I could do better than what I heard. I knew I could produce pretty well, but I didn't know if I could make the quality better than what I heard. But you find yourself saying, yeah, I can do that. Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's a risk. I was, when they asked me on the phone, I was shaking my head no and saying yes. Because like you said, it was, it was like this thing in my soul that I knew that I could do it. I didn't even know what songs they were playing. I'm like... I'm like, wait a minute. I think Zach's like a shredder on guitar. I'm pretty sure they have a lot of guitar solos. Like, I'm not a huge solo kind of person. Like, I love playing solos, but like, there's a difference between playing a solo in your studio or in your like practice space and then playing it in front of 120,000 people. There's a very big difference. You know what I mean? And so, like, yeah, I was just like, I remember like listening that night after I said yes, going and listening to like four of their albums and being like, Okay, where's the hardest solo? Let me find the hardest solo to play and see if I can play it. And it was a yeah. uh, bully. It's like a really long solo, super complicated. And I'm like, oh crap! I hope this is on the set list. And so I do how many? Them. Do you know how many bars it is? It's twelve at least. It's a oh lot. Oh my god! It's a really long solo, and it's like it's a, so. It's like a whole bridge progression. Yes, it's very long. And I found out later that when they recorded the solo, it was eight different parts punched in. I think, you know, like to kind of create a solo because it's exactly felt like, like I texted, I texted Zach and I'm like, how the heck did you guys write the solo? He's like, well, it's punched in a bunch of times, you know what I mean? And I'm like, that's what it feels like. It doesn't, you know what I mean? It feels like it's, it's, it doesn't make sense to me as a guitar player to play. So anyway, but like, I just, I knew that the talent part would catch up with the intuition or whatever that was that mm-hmm. said yes. Yeah. And it's exactly what happened, which is amazing. Like my, you know what I mean? It was like my mind forced my body to get, to get better. And I will say like, I've, it's the best I've ever been as a guitar player. I mean, you were, you were pretty solid. Like I saw the videos, I saw what you were practicing and not to say, not to say you weren't there with Lacey already, but it's, it's one thing to like have a new challenge and sit down and tackle it. Well, yeah, it pushed me because it was, some of the playing was above my playing level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like riffs, you, riffs are riffs. You know what I mean? Like playing the riff is one thing, but like playing it in the pocket and performing it, you know, is another thing. But then solos, like you can't fake whether your fingers can do that or not. Right. And so like that was the tricky part of like ability wise, am I going to be able to do this? Because I don't want to make them look bad. I mean, their career's on the line too. Yeah. They, they're going to Europe to make a good impression and they only have one guitar player. That's me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, true. At this point. So like, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was definitely like a, I wouldn't say scared out of my mind. Cause I was just, I don't know. I felt super confident the whole time. And I think that confidence came from number one, my wife, Lacey telling me you can do this. Absolutely. You can do this. She's really good at that, by the way. She does that to me all the time. And I'm like, really? Yeah. So like. And then the other part came from Zach telling me I can do it. And then the rest of the band, I came out to meet them in the U.S. for about a week just to kind of shadow Zach and learn some stuff, you know, and see the show and get acclimated a little bit. Because I had hung out with Zach, but I didn't really know the other three guys that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was a huge part of it, too. You know what I mean? So, like, having my wife tell me I could do it, having Shinedown say you got this they said listen no matter what happens we get on stage you make a mistake you forget something completely we got your back that's awesome that was like that gave me confidence because there's a lot of bands out there that like 
somebody hits a one wrong note they get the evil eye and after the show they sit you down they're like hey man that can't happen again right all that does is create more pressure to be like crap you know i need to hit this part then you're overthinking it and then you're going to screw it up even more it's reverse psychology exactly i won't i won't reveal names but i can remember one practice i actually don't even remember who this was with but there was a practice that we had and well it had to be a drummer <laughs> but we were having this practice and the strummer was playing along to our parts and we were just like not feeling it. Like it just, the practice was not going smoothly. And for some odd reason, I know you're going to remember as soon as this <laughs> happened, but like we decided to take a break and I think it's just my natural go-to personality, but I went up to the drummer and I was like, man, you are like just killing it. Like it sounds so good. And I was even thinking to myself, like, what am I saying? It does not sound good at all. And I remember you thinking the same thing too. And yeah. it really, it really helped to like calm the mood though. Yeah. Because it's such like a psychological thing of where you want to call out people. You want to be like, Hey, listen, this isn't, this isn't good enough. But <laughs> like if they don't, if they don't think that on their own, yeah. it's not going to, it's not going to make a difference. Yeah. Like more pressure from the outside just doesn't help most of the time. Yeah. Like encouragement sometimes is way better than correction. I would say in most scenarios, but there, I won't, I won't say a blanket statement that you can't be like that and it help in certain Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I guess just to sum up what I was saying and just for, to encourage the listeners, like surround yourself with people who believe in you more than you believe in yourself. That's you good. know what I mean? Like that's, that's a really big thing because if you have people around you telling you can't do something, there's people out there that everybody told them they couldn't do it and they, you know, they did it, you know? And that bit like, yeah. I think that, I don't know, cause most artists, musicians, business owners, a lot of them are insecure. You know what I mean? It's like, you're always questioning your ability. You're questioning your decisions. You know, it's just, that's just part of being a leader is like having confidence in what you're doing, even though you don't know what you're doing sometimes. And so, like, surrounding yourself with yeah. people who are going to help encourage you, I think, is a really big deal. And I don't, I don't know that I would have been able to say yes to this and also, after saying yes, do as good of a job as I did if it wasn't for the band being so encouraging and my wife and Zach, you know, and just everybody really supporting me. I kept thinking to myself when I'm out there, I'm like, is everybody just being nice to me? And they're just like, I hope Josh gets better. <laughs> you know, like what I do to other people sometimes. <laughs> but like, yeah. I just, you know, I felt like I put my best foot forward and just did the best job I could, you know, and that's, yeah, awesome. I made mistakes. I'm sure there's videos out there on YouTube. You guys can look them up and laugh at me, but like <laughs> I went out there and I did it and it was, it was incredible. I have zero regrets. That's cool. And I think going going along with that, you know, you just saying uh, there's videos you could look up and, you know, you might see mistakes being played. I can remember specifically on Twitter, Matthew Bellamy retweeted this fan, had tweeted at him and said, hey, Matt, is there a night where you're going to play the soul to Reapers right on this tour? <laughs> yeah. And I love the fact that like, the fan was probably technically right. He probably wasn't playing it up to snuff to the record, but I love the fact that Matt Bellamy just retweets it. And to me, that just communicates like, yeah, so what? That's that's the fact and I don't care. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm confident enough or I don't need, I'm not a slave to what you think, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And, and I love that attitude. Um, I think it's worth like... Go ahead. We gonna I say? was just going to say, just want to highlight confidence because like, yes. I don't know, like I, I was confident, but I was insecure at the same time. But like, I think mm. confidence is really something to work on because whenever you're performing, that was a really big deal. And I told the band, I said, listen, I said, I get it. You guys have been together for 20 years. Um, I'm coming in to play one tour, you know, 30 days with you guys. I said, but like, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna put on a good show, I need to own these songs and play like I've been in this band for 20 years myself, like this, yeah. that type of confidence. And it was awesome because Brent, the lead singer, was like, "Dude, you absolutely need to do that. Don't you dare hold back and like be humble up there." He's like, "I want you out front, yeah, and I want you giving it your all." You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, I just think that 
confidence, I don't know, just as you're saying it, that really highlighted to me is something that helped a lot. And sometimes you have to muster up confidence and pretend like you're confident, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is funny, but like yeah. even faking it until you make it in confidence, it helped, to be honest. It's true. It's true. I, I think, you know, what helps is that, that feedback loop of, I've in particular experienced this in the studio where I've said, I can remember the first live drum project that I did. We really want to bring on our drummer. Can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. I don't have an interface that has enough channels like at that point. <laughs> yeah. And so like I realize as soon as I get off the phone, I need to buy some things so that I can do. <laughs> yeah. And I felt insecure about it up until the point where like it was happening. And like as it's happening, the people in my studio are like, I can't believe it sounds this good. And it just like, I guess having faith that like if you take those risks that like the people around you are gonna, I guess, reward you for that. I felt completely, I felt completely insecure about it, but I just went for it. And it wound up being that like my own mental criticisms were worse than like what reality actually was. Yeah. I think everybody struggles with that. Like we all watch, you know, videos of musicians or actors or whoever it is, and you watch their performance, whatever it might be. And you're looking at it being like, how in the world, you know what I mean? Like they just, they just have it. Like yeah. it's just incredible. It. Like their yeah. stage presence, like that I guarantee they're all having the exact same thoughts that every single person listening to this has. Uh, can I do this? Oh crap. Here comes that one note. Oh, here's that part that's really hard. You know what I mean? Everybody's thinking the same thing, but right. you know, it's just like overcoming those fears and, and just stepping up and doing it. Even when you're not sure if you can or not, it's, you got to take that risk. You really do. Yeah. Um, before we get too far away from it, I want to go back and talk about a um, topic that you had touched on just before we got into that confidence bit. This might be just a comment on what you said, but I don't know if there are some more to be said about it and let's address it. But um, I think that's absolutely true. And I think some of the danger in like doing things that we love is that uh, it's really stressful it takes a lot of energy and I think some of the temptation is to commiserate with other people about that, about yeah. that struggle. Yeah. And I think the danger in that is, I don't think that's inherently wrong, but I think the danger is you can attract people that just never get anything done and just talk about doing things hmm. in, in that sense. And maybe I'm being a little bit vulnerable here and talking about like, things I've done with my friends in the past, uh, but where you focus on like just how hard things are and how things just aren't working out. And I think it's okay to talk about that and be vulnerable at times, but if that's all you talk about, you're going to attract those people to you. Yeah. And so instead of building a community of people that believe in you, you build a community of people that complain with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but actually aren't, pushing you or, or helping you or believing in you to achieve. They're yeah. just always talking about, it's just impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Push finding people. So yeah, I guess along to supplement that along with people who encourage you and believe in you, I think I used to say that you really need to have a sane estimation of your abilities because I, I've, I've known people in the past who were super confident, but at the time, I was just like, they are way too confident for their abilities. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the more, and I think this is happening more and more with musicians, like, that their confidence is what's making them become stars. So, like, huh. I mean, how many albums out there right now that I listen to that I'm like, this is not good, but it was, like, you know, Grammy-nominated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm like, that's not, he's not even, you know, like, I, I don't think it's personally that great. But like, it's still, it's still like winning awards and like really super successful. And so like, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that as much anymore about like, I, I don't want people to go out there and embarrass themselves because I've seen people who aren't ready. I guess that's what it is maybe. Yeah. Needing to be ready. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and being prepared for what you're going to do. Cause like you had talked about, you want to do, start doing some shows by yourself and you're nervous, right? 
You know what I mean? Like well, now you said it on the podcast, now I have to. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> of course I'm nervous. But you're going to be prepared. You're not going to go there and just make a fool of yourself. You're going to work and, you know, make sure your voice is doing what you want it to do mm-hmm. and, and being prepared for that as much as possible. And so, like, you know, as your friend, I would encourage you but at the same time I'd be like that's really cool you know maybe you need to work on this and so not telling you everything you want to hear that's a big part of it too you don't want people who are just people pleasers yeah but you want I people did. who are going to push you and they, that's what the word you said is you, people to push you because that's I think where the best art comes out is where you're like there's a back and forth of like wanting yeah. to get better and wanting to do more and pushing each other to get better and to get stuff done and, and you know what I mean I don't I know definitely I, appreciate that about you and your brother must be a stern thing, but... What is it? Well, maybe even more so from your brother than you, because he's a little harsher than even you are, but... He's, he's way harsher than I am. Yeah, okay, so you've said it. It's <laughs> uh, my brother to say. You're allowed to say it. He's very blunt. But I know if Jason... Jason compliments something I've done, or a stern... Yeah. Compliments something I've done, I know it's great. <laughs> and like, but that's cool, though, because... I've never heard you ever criticize something bad or not up to snuff that I've done, but I just, I just know that like, he didn't say it was great or he didn't, he only talked about these certain things. So like, I think that's just a very gentle way of, of being critical. And so I guess all I'm saying is it's good to have like a friend in my life that's like that, that you know that like when they say it's great, it's, it's actually great and yeah. not just, Oh, you're my friend. So it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and people like that too, I guess you have to trust that they know what's good and not, you know I mean? If they're musicians as well, like yeah. Jason, I, he's an amazing singer, amazing guitar player, amazing songwriter. So obviously he has the clout to be like, Hey, yeah, I think this is really good Yeah, because he can do stuff that's way better than I can do. You know what I mean? Right. And so if there's someone who's just like, I don't know. And even people who aren't even musicians might just like listen to something and be like, dude, this song should be on the radio. Like I listen to a lot of music and this is really good. So like they don't have <sighs> to have talent to be able yeah. to do it as well. Man, th- we could really get off on a tangent at this point right now because what we're essentially talking about is the the difference between like being popular and being like creative or like good. Yeah. Like the difference between, I almost said something off, off color a little bit. I'm sorry, but, (laughs) um, you could have, you could have somebody just paint a picture using their hair and like, I don't know, mud. Yeah. And people say that it's art because it gets a response. Yeah. Not necessarily because it's subjectively good. Yeah. Subjectively or objectively? I'm trying to think of the right word. Well, subjectively it'd be for them. Yes. Because they think it's good. Okay. Versus like something that's actually great because it it requires skill and there's like, I guess, gatekeepers to that. I don't know. Well, that's, there, that's such an interesting. That's exactly what I was talking about. There are no gatekeepers. There is no not anymore. standard to what's good and what's not good. What's not good anymore. is what, what moves people, you know, what provokes emotions in people. Um, what you think makes, that's right though. I know that you stand on that side. Well, again, I, right? I, I changed because I used to, <laughs> I used to think that musicians, I, I felt like musicians needed to apply for a permit to be in a band so that we could eliminate crappy bands. I've like, heard E.L. Levy from Nail the Mix. He says the same thing where a lot of the problems in the music industry would be solved if you had a year of no more signing bands. Let's just promote the bands that are already on the label. Yeah, I I would have agreed with that, but like, I just, I mean, culture dictates right now. I mean, it's just, there's no, it's just not true. You know what I mean? It's like, I when I think of the biggest albums that were released this year, I personally think they're absolute garbage. Yeah. To me, you know what I mean? Doesn't mean they are. Yeah. Because the majority of the the reason they're the biggest albums because the majority of the population thinks that they are. 
And so I just, it's a really interesting thing to me that there are no gatekeepers anymore. It's the audience, you know what I mean? And whether they say it's good. And so that's why before I would be like to someone, I'd be like, um, I think you need to work on your voice or maybe you need to work on your songwriting. But like at the same time, they release something that's way better, you know, bigger, more successful than anything I've ever done in my life. And I'm like, really? Yeah. It's just my, it's my subjective opinion that it wasn't good, but it's, I don't know. It's a funny thing. Like I, I still, I still feel like I fall on the line of the gatekeepers are good. Like it is good to have somebody say objectively that this is a good sound. This is not a good sound, but with that, I will say like what you're saying, the audience, like the audience doesn't care if one mix is better than another mix. They just care that the song sounds good or they like it. And I think that if nothing else, it's good to just keep people humble and remind people, oh yeah, like it is just about making music. It is just about doing what we feel in our hearts and not about like $100,000 studios or whatever else. Yeah. So thanks for going on that tangent with me. (laughs) I mean, Um, it's, I don't know. I love, I love, I feel like that could be a whole podcast in itself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Totally. Exploring that idea because again, as I've, I don't know if it's matured or just have come to realization that it is the way that it is. And that may not be a bad thing. It's also interesting too. It's another tangent, but maybe we can just touch on it real quickly. It's also interesting too. I don't remember who said this, but they were the first ones to put it in my mind of like, you know, why, why is a song three minutes long? Why is a popular song three to four minutes long? The reality is, is because we have radio. Radio transformed the way we view and consume music forever. Yeah. Up until that point, people had to go and watch a live, not even band, orchestra. They had to watch an orchestra. A lot of those pieces by Mozart and Bach, they are like hour or more long suites of sections of songs. Yeah. And all of a sudden we have like a recorded medium down and then radio and I mean, music has been kind of similar up into, it's just crazy to me that we're living in such a, a modern time since like, when have they been recording albums since forties, maybe I have no idea. I have no idea either, but think about that. Like however long humanity has existed in an intelligent way on this earth and in the last hundred years for sure, yeah, it's been changed astronomically like that's just such a mind-blowing like without saying anything else about it or debating just to take a step back and think about like how mind-blowing that is that we're living in such a crazy industrialized point in history where things have changed that rapidly yeah like what does the future have to hold five second songs who knows (laughs) might be i mean jingles (laughs) you know for real (laughs) that's crazy well I guess, man, this has been a great episode. We're getting close to the hour mark, so maybe we should start thinking about wrapping up here. But um, I guess we should maybe get into like talking about just advice as far as... We talked about a few different things on the episode, and I think just listening, maybe listening through again or listening to what we've talked about has been great advice in and of itself. But you specifically, if you had to tell the audience everything, anything about like having confidence in your playing like obviously like you had a hope and dream of playing music whenever you were younger yeah and you know like maybe summarize and talk about (laughs) that might not be a, a good summary but like talk about like what that felt like to have that dream and just kind of foster it up until the point that you had that you've had i guess maybe overall talk about the feeling of like what does what does it really mean to foster a gift because i think that whenever when anybody's younger they have dreams of like being grandiose or like i'm gonna be a rock star yeah 
but now that you've been on this earth for, should I say how many years? 36. 36 years. You've been on this earth 36 years. You've gained some wisdom since you were 15. I hope 15. so. 15 playing a guitar. 12. 12 playing a guitar. What does it actually mean to like foster a gift like that to get to the point that you are now? Yeah. Um, it's a very big question. If I could try to summarize it, I would say that um, understanding what success is to you. Success, according to the world, you know, means maybe playing in front of 120,000 people, 20,000 people, you know what I mean? But like, I don't think there's any difference between playing in front of 20 or 20,000. I've said that before, and I still feel very strongly at 36 years mm -hmm. old that if you're doing what you're passionate about and one person enjoys it, even if that one person's your own self and you feel successful in what you've done, I mean, that's what art is. Art is about expressing yourself. You know what I mean? And like me as an artist, there's things I can't express myself with in any other medium than I can with music, specifically yeah. in performance. And so that's really important to me. I really need to perform and play music. I don't need to play in front of a ton of people. I may need to just play for myself. I might need to play for my wife. I might need to play a small club show. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the size of it doesn't determine it. And so I think the confidence, not just in your ability, but the confidence in where you're at with what you're doing is also a really big deal. Because if you're going to constantly be thinking about something bigger than it is right now, then you're always going to be in this loop of insecurity, failure, expectation, and, you know, everything that's involved with that. And so I think that, like, being confident in who you are, what you're creating, um, is the most important thing, you know? It might take off, and the rest of the world acknowledges it. It might not. I don't think that's a failure if it doesn't take off, you know what I mean? Like, if your goal is to make money and to do something, then, yeah, you know, you might want to um, do things that aren't necessarily your passion, to pay the bills and there's nothing wrong with that I've done that a few different times in my life but like as an artist and a risk taker you know what I mean it may not always look glamorous you know what I mean my life is yeah. crazy it's like dude I went from being on tour it's true <laughs> I went from being on tour and doing this amazing huge tour and come and I've been home for the last two weeks you know helping uh, change diapers for my new baby yeah. and that's amazing you know what I mean? Like I'm, I haven't always been able to do that. I've always been like wanting to get back out there and to continue to do music or what's the next project. But like, I've really learned to appreciate the task at hand, you know, or cause they're, it's a gift, you know, my new ba my new baby's a gift and that's where my focus is right now. And it's true. And so I just think being present and just, uh, I don't know, just enjoying what you're doing and the season that you're in right now is really important. I couldn't summarize it any better. All right. Thank you, sir. That was great. And thank you listeners for joining us on this conversation. I had a really great time. I hope you did too. And we'll catch you next week for another episode. So until then, we hope we've encouraged you to live your dreams out loud. Have a good one, everyone. 